Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn on. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host Eddie Trunk. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast, bringing you new episodes every Thursday of great interviews with some of your favorite artists. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and get it anywhere you get your podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. This week, I am happy to bring to you for the first time as the podcast, my recent special with Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. A few weeks ago, I traveled to the SiriusXM studios in L.A. where I did a two-hour special with the guys. They performed live, and they also took questions from our audience virtually via Zoom. It was a great time. It was a great conversation, great performances. Slash and the band are currently out on tour right now, so I thought it would be great timing to bring you this to everyone, free to the world, as my podcast. As I tell you guys every week, everything you hear on the podcast originates on my SiriusXM radio show, Trunk Nation, which you can hear live Monday through Friday on channel 106, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That channel is volume, and again, the show is Trunk Nation. It replays every weekday at night, 10 to midnight Eastern, and everything is on the app. Now, really important to tell you guys that for those in the U.S. or Canada that don't have SiriusXM, what you're about to hear uh, not only originated there, but if you have SiriusXM, there is full video of this entire conversation And there's also four songs that Slash and the Band did live exclusively for me and my radio audience. Three from the new album, four, and one from the previous album, Live in the Dream. Now, because in podcasts we can't bring you music, those performances of those songs had to be cut out. But you're still going to get all the interview content 
However, it's another reason and another example of if you come on board at SiriusXM, you're going to get the full picture because you'll get four exclusive live performances from the band if you listen to this or watch it on the app. So wanted to make sure I specify that. Obviously, uh, podcast being worldwide, if you're outside of the U.S. or Canada, I understand you can't come on board at SiriusXM, but that's another way we can at least share some of what we're doing on the radio with a worldwide audience. So keep in mind, if you have SiriusXM or you come on board with us, what you're about to hear, you can hear with four full performances and bonus content either on the app with audio or video. Everybody else, you're going to enjoy this conversation no matter what. Great questions from our audience and great time hanging with Slash, Brent Fitz, Frank Sidoris, Todd Kearns, and of course, Miles Kennedy. So here it is for the first time on the podcast, my recent conversation with Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Enjoy. The very, very first LA invasion we ever did was from the rainbow with this guy sitting right next to me. Good to see you, Slash. That was the first one? It was the first one. You were the first guy that ever did the rainbow thing. It was a fitting place to do it, though. It was. A lot of history there for you, right? Very much. I took my dad there the other day. Recently? Yeah, yeah, because he goes back to the rainbow, too. So, like, a couple generations, because my kid goes. So, three generations of stalwart rock and roll rainbow fans. (laughs) Well, you know, I want to ask you about something related to that here in a second. But let me go down the, the, the line here. And, of course, you just heard... Uh, Driving Rain from the previous album, Living the Dream. And coming up, you guys will hear three songs from the outstanding new album, Four, which is coming out on February 11th. We'll get into all that in a second. Let me go down the horn here. Of course, we have Miles Kennedy. Good to see you, bud. It's great to see you. And uh, Todd Dammit Kearns there in the middle. And Brent Fitz. Good to see you. My neighbors. We're we're kind of Vegas neighbors. Yeah. We're. And the king of Vegas, the the the, the man the man who's actually from that. Vegas. I'll take that. Frank Sidoris on the end. Good to, Good see, to you, see all you guys. So this album four, I almost feel like I was kind of there a little bit while you were making it because we were all texting each other while you were making it, and uh, you had the the uh, the YouTube nights that was going on that. <laughs> Yeah. That, what what Fitz is going oh, like this? Oh, in Nashville. Yeah, oh we were God, all texting. A, that's right. You were part of that. That was <laughs> that was a scene. <laughs> so what yeah. happened there during ma- making the record? Because we know, uh, slash, we'll start with you. We know that uh, everybody got sick. First of all, you, but you should you, probably right? talk to patient zero. Well, he oh, Miles was the super spreader. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. So Miles, take us through this. What happened during the making of this record? Because you did it at the height of COVID, right? Yeah. I think so. We we were trying to be real careful, and the, the, at the time we didn't. There were still things we didn't know about how all this worked, so we decided not to fly there. And we we're like, well, let's all basically meet in Vegas, and then we'll take a bus and we'll go to the studio. And so I drove from Spokane, where I live, uh, with some friends, and and met these guys in Vegas, and we were all tested before we got on the bus that night. Everybody was free and clear. Then we drive, whatever, two days, we get to Nashville, and before we can even set foot in the studio, we test one more time. Everybody's cool. And we start making the record, and suddenly something just didn't feel right. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it definitely um, took me by surprise, and uh, it took kind of, it took us all eventually, except for Frank. You got out uh, on We sent Frank home. <laughs> <laughs> Go, get out now while you still can. Wait, so you got it too, Slash? 
Well, I was uh, I, out of these guys. I was the last one to get it. So, so Miles called me. I was in the studio. We'd finished the record. Now it was time to do some background vocals, a couple overdubs, whatnot. And so Miles calls me, and I know he's in the building. So he calls me in the studio. And it's like it's odd. <laughs> so I pick up the phone. And he goes, "Dude, I tested positive." And it was just sort of like your, your your sort of heart jumps out of your mouth, right? And I was like, "Okay, all right." So the record's done at this point. So it's not going to be a huge like issue. But then um, everybody had to test again, and Brent and Todd were down. So those guys go into quarantine, and one of the engineers at the studio as well. So Dave and Eddie, Eddie's the other engineer, and Dave Cobb and myself start um, basically doing rough mixes since pr pretty much everything's done. And then I went and got tested, or I got vaccinated in Nashville, and then two days later, or a day, the next day, I tested positive. So now I'm in quarantine. But since I got vaccinated, I didn't have any symptoms, so I'm just kicking back at the house. These guys are starting to feel better, so they start doing the background vocals in the guest house. Around the same time that you guys were all sort of texting and talking and <laughs> right, watching right, YouTube right, videos, right, which right. I witnessed. <laughs> right, well, you bailed, so, so I knew we were going to lose you. Don't to get too inside here. But we're all texting. These guys are having, like, these YouTube nights where we're... we're Fitz, jump in here where, like, you guys all went around and, like, everybody had a night where they could pick whatever they wanted to play, right? It was just, like, we were all hoping, please, Slash, don't come out into the, the living room here and see what we're watching. But definitely the night that Kiss Meets the Phantom was I going came out through. for that one, right? That was the night Slash was like, what are you guys watching? <laughs> well, the funniest thing about that is that we're all texting and, like, Miles is like, Miles is like I found a Blue Murder video. And, like, we're all going back and forth on stuff. But then when, when I think it was Brent said to me, I think we're going to run Kiss Meets the Phantom, I go, that's when you're going to lose Slash. And remember, I sent you an Aerosmith bootleg. Yeah. And, like, ten minutes later, I get a text from you going, this bootleg's really cool. I'm listening to it. And I go, I knew it. He bailed on the room. <laughs> oh, He's yeah. listening to Aerosmith in his bedroom instead of watching Kiss Meets he the did. Phantom. That's right, the Aerosmith bootleg. <laughs> yeah, it was It was like every time I would come out of the bedroom and go into the sort of, uh, I don't know, living room or, or den or whatever that was, it was like going into the 80s <laughs> <laughs> in Hollywood. It was just like all these bands that I have haven't seen or heard of in years, right? And they're all on there, alive and well. And this was all night long for days. Oh yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it was festive, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so to just to finish up the whole thing, so everybody got better, and then yeah. we went and finished up all their stuff, and then mixed the record together manually, no, no automation. So you take your hands, put them on the faders, press play, and you do it. And if you fuck up, you have to do it again. That kind of deal. It was cool. Well, that ties into the guy who produced this record, which is the first time I think any of you have probably worked with him, yeah. which is Dave Cobb, who is known for... I've met Dave a couple times, and I'm fully aware of the work and the, band that, the bands that he's done in the rock world, of course. But he has a completely uh, unique and old-school approach in making records. Uh, can you talk about what that experience was like, Slash, and why you decided to go with him? Well, okay, I was looking for a new producer for this record, and I asked some, some people I, I trust whose opinions I trust, you know, and I said, give me some good contemporary rock producers, and I had a list of four, and Dave Cobb was one of them. And so I checked out his discography, and he was doing a lot of country music, but the thing about his country music, it was all the really cool, down-to-earth, honest country music that had some soul. So that was, that was a bonus. And then the thing that clinched it was he did Rival Sons, which is one of my favorite sounding Me bands too. of the last 15 years. So anyway, so I called him up and we talked and he's like, I do my Dave Cobb impression, you know, Slash, I just want to do a rock and roll record, you know, and we record it live, you know, and I was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so so that's what we did. We he he said we're going to do it so a la Glenn Johns and just set up in the studio with the amps and everything. And I've been trying to do that since the '80s. No producer would ever let me do it. Where you just you know set up like you do in a gig and record it. You know, so it was fun. Did you did you record to tape? Did you record yeah, on tape? Yeah, you did. So you really like. Miles, what was it like for you as a singer recording that way and working with Dave? Well, it was interesting because... And with COVID. Yeah, well, that was the hard part. Um, Did it impact your voice? Oh, and hell your, yeah. Because oh, we yeah. should mention, too, that for all of you, it sounds like except Slash, you got it pre-vax, right? You yeah, guys they weren't, weren't They weren't I, available I was No we vax were. yet. Actually, Todd and I... Frank and I were both vaxxed. The day before we got on the bus and left. Yeah. And in my state, oh, I didn't really? meet the you criteria it, yeah. yet. So there was like a... a yeah, so I missed the, the missed it by about two weeks, and uh, yeah, t so I didn't realize that basically everything you hear, m most everything you hear on the record vocally were were scratch tracks. Those were sung as guides. I was in a separate room. These guys were playing live, and so I was singing live and just thinking we were going to recut the vocals later, and. <laughs> that would you say? That's not what Dave was thinking. Yeah. Well, Talk he kept the mic so we can hear he, you. He kept. He kept. I, know, I, that's, I purposely did. Oh, okay. yeah. He, kept, he said that's not what Dave is thinking. Yeah. I'm telling you. And he kept saying, and after we'd stop a take, he's like, "That's great. You know, great. I think we'll be able to keep some of that." And I'm like, "What? Really?" And 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 so it was kind of a surprise to me because that's not normally the way um, producers do it. Um, but at the at the end of the day, there was really no choice because once the, uh, the the virus took over. Um, <laughs> it really got difficult to sing. And the last, actually, the last song I tracked in the studio was Rivers Rising. And you can hear, I basically, I think I only made it through one pass. And I finally just had some balance. Say, you know what, you guys are going to have to finish this without me because I got, I got no juice left. So, so that was really a bit of a challenge. But I was really surprised that he was able to salvage. <laughs> I would use the use the vocals, so so it's great. It came out awesome. Yeah, but you know it's you know it's incredible about that. Even if it wasn't COVID, that probably would have been the case because you know told me a totally similar story, and this was long before COVID. But Dave Cobb produced a record by a band called California Breed that was Andrew oh, Watt, oh, yeah. Glenn Hughes, and Jason Bonham. And, yeah, that's his record. Yeah, and I said to Glenn when I interviewed Glenn for that record, I go the vocal. I mean, Glenn's an incredible singer, and he goes, you know what's crazy about that? He goes. I thought they were just scratch vocals and we're done. And said Dave said that's the keeper and that so he I guess that's a thing with him, man. So now you're on guard. Well, I'm for the on next to him time. now. <laughs> <laughs> How about for you guys down on the end? How the experience of making this record, the rhythm section down there with uh, with Todd and Brent, uh, tracking like that and recording like that. It was very much the same thing. I mean, honestly, we we were doing it without headphones, without click tracks, completely like like Miles is saying. It's all. While you're doing it, you're kind of like, should we be doing it like this? Because we've been doing it the other way for so many years. Um, that, like, I, I, for me, I'm generally the kind of guy, I prepare my stuff, I know what I'm going to play, I go and I play it. My, when we're putting down, if we're just focusing on a drum track, I'm still thinking, like, I want to play a bass track that's keepable. So the mindset was not much different for me at all. But I don't know what it was like for Brent. It was really loud, and it was great. <laughs> In a way, you know, I'm used to loud. I'm the drummer, but everything was bleeding. Yeah. And I mean mics like into all amps and drums, and it kind of was effective for a real great live-sounding record. And then the only thing is, it's when you're committing to that, you know, doing overdubs is not necessarily that easy. So what you're hearing is that raw studio performance, you know, and everything's in that that one room. So I, I think it really has, you can listen. I mean, I'm 
uh, I'm thinking the vinyl experience is going to be really cool on this record, too. So Because it's live, you also don't want to be the one guy to screw up the tape because no. everything's <laughs> going to tape. So, so I know we'd be all kind of like, well, here we go. It's just That's what I loved about it was it was the most raw form of this band and how even now when we're rehearsing, we look back and we're like, we didn't even rehearse this album. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you usually go that, in, you have it. Yeah, that was the other thing is we, we went in really loosely prepared. So the songs, the arrangements weren't, weren't uh, like maybe half to 65% finished. So usually we rehearse the shit out of everything, go into the studio, jam it really quick, and it's done because we know all the parts. But we did a lot of um, writing in the studio, just getting the arrangements together and fine-tuning some of that stuff. Well, like you the mentioned... fast solo for, for River is Rising was on the... It was an outro, moment, wasn't it? It was kind of the outro, and then it was decided, like, let's make that the solo. Yeah, oh, okay. and there was no solo on it, so we just made it up Well, on the that's... Spot. Okay, so so first of all, when you talk about the way you did the writing of it, when you mentioned Rival Sons, who are one of my favorite bands as well, they, those guys are in there with Dave forever because they actually just go in with no ideas and figure it out as they're going. Like, they'll be in and out of there four or five times trying to write stuff. So that's a, that's a unique way of working. But when I heard... The River is Rising, which, which everybody's going to hear here, uh, an exclusive live performance of in a second. But when I heard that song, uh, that fast part that comes in out of nowhere, I mean, I'll be, it reminded me of Paradise City in a way, in the way it, 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 the fast part comes at the end. But it seemed like it was almost, was that a different song? And you're like, let's put those together. I, it's how I wrote it, the music part. Right. It was, it was how I, I demoed it up. But the thing was, is there wasn't a fast part in the middle. That didn't exist. And so it was in, in Nashville that we came up with the idea to, I think Dave said, well, we need to reintroduce that fast part. It's too cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we did. We made the guitar solo out of it. Overall, the writing of this record, how did it work between the two of you, uh, Miles and Slash? Like the ideas for this, go? do they? some of them go back a little ways? Did you come together and specifically write the record? How did that work, especially against the backdrop of COVID and you doing so much with guns? I mean, right. and Miles doing solo record and, and everything he was doing. Where did, where did it all fit in? Um, well, we wrote uh, half of it we wrote on the road uh, during the Living the Dream tour. And so we would go into sound checks and we'd work up these ideas. So we had sort of basic ideas about half of the songs then. And then uh, when during COVID, I decided I wanted to start working on the record. I couldn't get together with these guys in jam, so I started making demos. And even with the little keyboard drum machine and that whole bit. And so, uh, so I'm working on the old songs, and then I was also writing new songs. So some of the new songs that I came up with are on here as well. Um, and then I just sent the demos to Miles, and Miles would come up with his ideas, and some of them are old melodies from the old songs, yeah. and then new stuff. Miles, do you the writing partnership between you guys is is Slash the music guy, and you're the lyric guy in this situation? Is it pretty much cut right down that line? Yeah, generally speaking, uh, he finishes the music bed, sends it to me, and I put the melody and lyric to it. Occasionally, if I hear something where, uh, like, let's insert this part here, like, a, for, for the sake of the melody. Like, a, I mean, I'm hearing a chorus here that with this chord progression, but that, you know, that's not yeah. often. But, uh, but, ge but generally, yeah, that's, that's how it works. He just, he sets up the, uh, it's kind of like a, a sonic, uh, you know, boomerang. <laughs> well, but the, um, the, like, uh, the chorus for Rivers Rising is a good example of a just full-on collaboration, because I had a chorus, but melodically, he added those changes into it. And then I changed what he had into a riff 
So it was total collaboration on what that chorus sounds like now. Miles, has he ever sent you music and an idea for a song and you've listened to it and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know where to take this. Have you had those where you're like, I can't, maybe this should be an instrumental? <laughs> Safari Inn. Safari Inn. Safari Inn is <laughs> that, of, yeah. which is an instrumental. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the, that's the. Other than that, no, that's the. He the he he understands because he's such a melody guy. He understands writing a chord progression or riff that that is open enough for a singer to come in and put his melody or he or she or whatever. Um, so it's 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 definitely it's very politically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely it's definitely. Um, uh, I don't run into that issue with him. We'll be right back with more with Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the conspirators after this on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to more with Slash and the guys right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, we are back. And uh, we are with Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. The album 4 is the latest Slash, how'd you come up with that title, man? That's like, what were you thinking? How did that bolt of creativity come to you? It was it was actually um, to prevent me from being too creative with coming up with a title that would represent in any shape or form 2020. It was oh. just too broad a disaster to come up with some clever little one-line sentence for a title of a record. So rather than even try to, because I don't think it was possible, I just said, let's just eliminate that and just give it a four. Because it's a good milestone, four, four records. For know? sure. Yeah. Reminds everybody that we got three other ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, <laughs> and that was it. I it just worked said, for Led Zeppelin. Well, no, it worked for Foreigner. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Zeppelin, everybody says that. I Zeppelin know. didn't name the record for. Everybody else everybody did. Everybody else did. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Just like Metallica didn't name the Black Album the Black Album, but that's the name. The Beatles yeah. White Album. Right, yeah. No, that's called the White Album. It's called Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah, but it doesn't say White Album on the binding? No. It says the Beatles. Look oh. at the youngster on the end correcting I'll see you guys all later. those old guys. Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I'll see you guys but, later. But Foreigner did it. Yeah, Foreigner, Foreigner, was, Foreigner was four. That was the only other one that did ago. it. What's that? It's like 41 years ago. Yeah, I know, but Jukebox Hero (laughs) still lives, Todd. Come on, man. Yeah, but I I still (laughs) thought it was a cool, like, you know, let's just give it a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it establishes that this is 10 years into this thing. I I remember we we talked about that with Cobb, even in the studio. We were like... Th- that we're saying like four. Yeah, that sounds cool. Like it sounds rock and roll and the way the record kind of went down and it, the band's been around so long it felt like four was an establishing like, yes, we've been around for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Do you, well, th- you know, speaking of that, when I was when I was listening to this record and and I truly do love it and I love what you guys do and you, you know that. Um, but I was thinking back to you, Slash, like going back in my archives and I've got photos and stuff from the earliest days of you doing your own thing. Like the first snake pit record and all of that stuff and i mean i I was at some of those shows and at that time you weren't sober but the performances were up and down you were up and down people didn't know if you were going to make it come out the other side of all of this so for you i mean it's pretty amazing where we're at now and the work you put in to build this to get to a fourth record with this band the consistency, the, the the greatness of the material, I would imagine it almost surprises you, given the way things were back then, the early Snake Pit stuff and the ups right. and downs and what you were battling. Well, I mean, with all due credit to, I mean, I, I, I don't like to toot my own horn for sobriety or be a flag waver, but I have to say that, you know, all due credit to sobriety, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. I couldn't have kept up with everything that's been going on if I was still using like I was. But for this particular band, it's really these guys that just when I first, when we first hooked up, it wasn't just like, oh, I found some guys. Because I do it all the time. But it just happened to be a particular chemistry that clicked instantaneously when I met Miles and when I met Brent and then Todd and then Frank. And so there's such an easy bunch of guys to play with and to write with and to tour with. That I didn't realize we've been together for ten years. It's been it's been effortless to do this this long, and it's been so much fun to do it. And it doesn't take a lot of unnecessary work to do it. It just you know you, I've been doing this a long time. I know the drill, but there's nothing working against us other than the world itself. But amongst us, we're all good. <laughs> you know. Well, and you guys all do other things. You know, um, uh, Brent and Todd, you've got Took, among other things, and and Frank, you're playing with Mammoth WVH with Wolf as well. Miles, you solo record. I mean, Miles, you love to drive because you drove from Spokane to Orlando to make your your, your solo record, and then you drove from. <laughs> Washington to now, you like being in the car, don't you, Miles? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you do just in the effort, just just to be safe, right? Well, Wasn't yeah. Not the deal. I, I'm not. A, I'm not particularly fond of getting in a in a big tube that hangs, you know, thirty thousand feet above the ground. <laughs> That's not appealing to me. You have a fear of, of flying? I don't know if I have a. I'm getting to the point. I just have a fear of the whole. I don't know. Humans. Yeah, humans. <laughs> My point in bringing that up, though, is you guys all have, of course, you know, Slash is back in this band called Guns N' Roses. I'm sure you've heard of you. You all have your other things that you do, but it seems like coming back to this, when you do come back to this, and the vibe of getting ready to go out and tour and make a record together, it just seems like there's just this 
this great vibe that everybody comes back together and there's a, a smile and joking around. I mean, it's very real. I'm around a lot of bands a lot and you can feel attention and you know, but this is very genuine and I'm, I'm picking up on that, that it's, it's comfortable at this point. Would that be the right thing to say? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's comfortable. It's fun. I look forward to it. I mean, I don't, I can't speak on their behalf, but I, Frank's def- miserable. I, def- I wish I could say the same. And, <laughs> and I, it's like, I, I love everything else that, you know, I'm doing and involved with, but I always look forward to sort of getting with, together with these guys and just coming up with a bunch of new stuff and going out on the road. And, and we, everything is very sort of down to earth and like at, at, uh, you know, at chess level, I guess you call it. So it's not like out of control, but we have a big enough following where the people that come to see us and we just have a blast going out there. Well, a following that gets bigger with every record, because of course I remember when this started and now you're getting ready to go out on the tour, uh, which I don't, depending upon when people are seeing and hearing this might be happening already, the tour, uh, but you're, you're, I mean, I know in Europe, this happened a lot bigger, quicker than even here. This was more of a build, right? You, you, but you're to the point now where you're doing some great venues in, in your own States, right, yeah, in the States. But I, it, it happened bigger there more Europe quickly, right? Yeah, Australia was like, it actually was surprisingly, we got really popular over there really quick. And um, where, I'm thinking about this now, Miles, you've got, as you said, four records with this band. Then you got the other stuff he's done before this band, whether it be the Snake Pit stuff. considering, because he did the first solo record. That's how we met. Right, 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 <laughs> with all the singers on it, right. But Setlist now is going to start getting a little difficult to try to represent all the, the different records. If you, you've got, imagine you've got that figured out with the tour starting in a couple days, but how does that work? How, how do you feel about you know <laughs> what, what you want to play? Who makes the call there? You're the singer, he's the... Um, I just, I made up a set list. I looked for... You know, you know, we have a couple songs off the new record because it hasn't come out yet. So we'll see how we'll sneak those in as the as the set go as the tour goes. But we have uh, stuff from the last three records, just some of the songs we haven't played in a long time. And I just go to these guys and go, "Hey, what about this? What about that?" And usually, you know, they chime in. There's one song I think that got the boot on the tour so far. What? Anyone want to share what that is and why? Oh, well, it was. What was it called? I don't remember. Automatic overtime. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. We were going to do that, but yeah. it, from World on Fire, yeah. 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 Which you know, he, he, we still might do it. But yeah, and, and it's just one of those things that it's a, it's um, as a singer, you're always kind of aware of how to pace the set vocally, you know, how it's going to work for your stamina and whatnot. And that surprisingly is kind of a uh, demanding song. So we once we do that song, it kind of throws me out for the next few songs. And I was like, well, this is a pretty demanding set. Let's pull that back and until we kind of get our you know, get our get into our groove with this tour, and then we'll probably probably put it back in. We replaced it with something that's really cool. So, uh, I want to a track that you're not going to play at least here that I absolutely love that I want to ask you about. And Slash, I texted you about this, and I'm like, you channeled like Gary Moore meets Michael Schenker in this, and that's um, Fall Back to Earth, the last track. Oh, just I mean, epic, epic track. Uh, tell me about that one coming together. Um, well, it's a, a piece of music that I wrote when I was on a safari in Africa before the Living the Dream tour started. And I was out, I took my guitar with me, and it was like under those really massive savanna skies, you know, at night. And I just came up with that melody, and I thought, oh, this is actually pretty cool. So when we got on the road, I showed it to them. It was really sort of really fresh and loose. So I was hearing it. I don't know if they heard it, but we started dicking around with it. And uh, then I came up with a verse. And at some point, 
we had a, like a, a mini pre-production kind of thing in the middle of the tour and started to work up the ideas. And it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't established what it was yet. And then when we, uh, I made a demo of it and the arrangement was different than what's on the record. Um, but Miles put a vocal on and okay, we're off to the races. So when we got to Nashville and got to that song, we attacked it and then ended up um, changing the arrangement. And then it was like, it just fell together. It just, that was like, bam, that's, that's the way it needs to go. And, uh, and then we just recorded it. So it's totally epic. And, and, uh, and Miles, the vocal on it is just, I mean, soaring. I mean, it just fits the song amazingly. When you heard that music from Slash, I mean, it, just fall back to earth had to come into your mind. Like, how do you, how do we get there? Yeah. You know, if I remember correctly, that was one of the songs that was kind of an anomaly in the sense that most of, most of the things he sent, the vocal, the melody came very quickly. Like first thing I heard generally, that was kind of the rule. I've learned over the years not to overthink things, just to go with your initial uh, reaction. But that one, I, because I knew it was such a special melody, you know, the minute I heard the da 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 da, and I was just, it's such a, uh, signature slash it has all those hallmarks that we love that, that, that he that he does and I didn't so I didn't want to screw it up <laughs> you know I wanted to figure out a way to make sure that it complemented it um, and so yeah a lot of time went into that particular one and then as far as yeah the lyric um, you know it, there was some crafting it took a little took a little more time yeah, it's, it's an amazing way to end the record. It's really killer. Let's get our first person, though, joining us via Zoom. Question for the guys. Uh, he joins us from New Orleans. We're looking for Simon Beck. Simon, welcome, and uh, say hello to Slash and the guys. Hey, Simon. Hey, Simon. How's it going, you guys? Uh, quick question to you guys. Uh, also, big honor to talk to you all. Um, you guys have been uh, pretty prolific with the past few records, and I'm just curious as how the work you do in the studio um, I guess the question is for Slash, how, how the work you do in the studio with this group of guys differs from your past experience with other musicians and other records that you've recorded? Um, I mean, all group situations have their own u unique personality. And so they really don't, you know, I don't think about, you know, this bunch of guys is like working with this bunch of guys. It doesn't really compare to working with anybody else that I've worked with, you know, because there's just a certain kind of chemistry that works amongst these, you know, four other people. And in other projects that I work in, it's that particular combination of people. And it's completely different. And the twain don't really meet on the same ground. Cool. Thank you. Um, speaking of other people you work with in other bands, do, do you ever have any interest in revisiting Velvet Revolver at any point in your career? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. There was a period there where there was an effort made to find somebody else to sing it. And that band was a nightmare as a whole. Um, not becoming, it was just everything about it was because it was a super group was just a super pain in the ass. And so, I mean, I, I loved doing it from the band point of view, but everything else that went with it was just a little bit too difficult. Plus, there was a lot of chemical stuff that made its way back into it, and that was really hard, um, myself included. So, I, yeah, I couldn't see going back and trying to, especially without Scott. I mean, that particular sound, was so, we'd have to get somebody that sounded like Scott, and I don't want to go through all that. Yeah. No, I asked because, I mean, there was a time that that was of interest to you. I, I was No, I was actually not. Oh, no, really? I was the one guy who wasn't showing up for all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to uh, Christian, who is uh, from Burbank, California, just up the street. Wow, Christian's got an impressive microphone oh, there. Oh, Christian, you better sound better than everybody. 
Yeah, I just keep it right there by my face. That's uh, that's all that matters. That uh, anyway, I had a, a question for both Miles and Slash. It's sort of the same question. Miles, what was the first time you remember hearing Slash play guitar? And then Slash, do you remember the first time you heard Miles sing? And I think, Miles, you've said on this show that uh, you believe you're a better guitar player than you are a singer. Slash, do you agree with that? You want to go first? Sure. Yeah, the first time I heard... Um, Slash play guitar. It was uh, probably August 1987. I have, I remember sitting in front. Yeah, I was sitting in front of the te the television and on it, watching MTV, and they debuted this this new band called Guns N' Roses, and I think it was Welcome to the. I was definitely Welcome to the Jungle. So it was about August. Was it was when that came out, and and um, yeah, I was just blown away. Yeah, I was just I was like, wow, that's that's, that's gonna change. I guess that's that does make me. sense because it came out in the summertime. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the first time I ever heard Miles sing was a demo for a song on my, my uh, uh, solo record from 2010, and the song's called Starlight. Um, I'd heard of Miles prior to that, but I'd never actually heard him sing. So that was, I mean, it was a huge surprise to get that tape from Miles and put it on. It was in my car, and then I was like, oh, my God. And I played it for my producer, Eric. And and say, is this just me or is this amazing? <laughs> that's how that's that's how I first met Miles. Anyway, but uh, as a guitar player, uh, Miles's guitar playing is the same as his singing is. It's an extension of him. So I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. He's really good at both. They're very, very um, organic. So. Well, Miles, really and I think what the the caller or the viewer was referring to too is because you've said this a number of times with with me on my shows is that you're almost a bit of a reluctant frontman in the sense that you might you feel much more comfortable with a guitar and that's really your thing is playing guitar you're yeah. blessed with this incredible voice people want you to sing but you you almost at times feel a little naked without the instrument right you know it's got it's funny you should mention that i feel like yeah that for a long time that was the case but i i was just thinking about that earlier how as we were standing here and I did, didn't have a guitar, I was like, you know, I don't feel that, that awkward, awkward anymore without the guitar. And I think that just after years and years of doing it, um, you kind of find your, your comfort zone. But with that said, the guitar is still the thing that brings me an incredible amount of joy. It just, just, just sitting around with, with a guitar. I mean, it's the greatest. So yeah. I want to I extend this question to the, uh, to the conspirators down here because I think this could be interesting. Start, we'll start with you, Todd. First time you heard Slash play guitar, and the first time you heard Miles sing, what was the song? What was the moment? Um, well, Slash, oddly enough, I was looking in a magazine. I don't remember what magazine. Faces? It was you know, back in the day, right? And there was an ad, or, or like a uh, review of the album. And there was a picture of Duff, oddly enough, just a sideways, like from the side. And Duff had much bigger hair. He was like, remember that kind of early punk rock? Yeah. And I remember going, this, and I was really into that stuff. And I just said, and it said something like, the best records in Zeppelin II or something like that. And I was very sort of like, oh, okay, is that what time it is? So I went down to the mall. <laughs> I went okay. down to the mall and bought it on cassette because I had a boombox at the time. And I, I will be honest, it, it, it rendered everything else in my record collection pretty much invisible very quickly. People always talk about Nevermind being a big moment, but I always feel like Appetite was a fairly, like a big dividing line between this is not cool anymore or... It's going to all change. And uh, for Miles, I definitely, I've heard Miles since Mayfield 4. Wow. Um, you know, uh, he was always that guy that everybody said, that guy's amazing. Right, that's how I, yeah. Yeah, so back, back then he was, uh, I mean, his eyes were dreamy. <laughs> 
and his voice was golden. So nobody discovered Miles first through the Rockstar movie. Nobody, nobody. I don't think I, I didn't know I discovered him. You, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who that was. You didn't know. I didn't even know it was him until someone pointed it out later, like while well, after we've come together. I, I was like, you got to be connection. kidding me, really? And then we yeah. teased him with it for a while. I never made the connection at all. I saw that movie, and I don't think I really thought of it until after. Well, Brent. What was your first exposure to these two guys? Hey, growing up in small town Canada, I was very happy because a lot of my favorite bands came through my little town of Winnipeg. And Slash was through twice opening for bands that I liked at the time. So I got to see an early version of with Slash opening The Cult and and Guns N' Roses right before the explosion. So, I mean, to me, they were like a new cool thing for, and I was, you know, I'm a few years younger than Slash. I was like 17 at the time. So that was pretty cool to see something new and cool live in my, in my hometown. Um, and I saw it twice, and they came with Iron Maiden. So, um, and that was before, you know, and the re- I don't even think we, we could get the record yet. I remember I bought the original album, Appetite, with the original cover, the one that's, you know, talked about the band. I bought it. I went, I did a band trip, high school, 88. I graduated, and I was in london and i bought it at the tower records in london that's where i bought my copy of appetite for destruction pretty cool Hmm. and then miles and i actually crossed paths in 2005 or 6 when i was in theory of a dead man and miles was with alter bridge and i remember watching from the side of the stage and i was like who is this dude now i knew the the mayfield four records but i didn't actually know at the time that the connection that that miles was also the singer but in alter bridge he was definitely a standout on we had done a you know bunch of shows together and i i don't we said hi. That's it. I just remember back in that day. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Now, this is going to be an interesting perspective because young was Frank the on preface. the end. Well, Frank is, you know, you're a good 20 years younger than all of us, I think, about. So the you're pers- down. I don't know about 15? I'm, I'm 33. He's 40 Dude, years Dude, it's though. more than 20. <laughs> Slash just realized it's more than 20. You are more than 20 years older than all of us. Should I leave? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why he didn't get COVID. 23 years. To 20, exactly. <laughs> so, what year, what year were you born? 88. So after, Jesus after Christ. Yeah, you were, you but, but I bring that up only for context because your perspective on this is going to be very different because you weren't born when Appetite came out. So how were you exposed to this? Well, uh, luckily I grew up with pretty musically inclined people. My, my mom and dad were always big rock fans. So And Alice Cooper is like your... Godfather or something, Essentially, right? yeah. Right. Well, right. That, that, that comes into play here because we obviously listen to uh, Appetite, but I remember having uh, the Use Your Illusion tapes, like tape cassettes, but uh, Hey Stupid was another one because oh. Slash played on that. So, uh, But, dude, we listened to Guns all the time, you know? We were all big fans, but um, the Alice connection just made it better for my dad. <laughs> and did you first discover Miles when you heard The Ides of March recently? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 33 years. <laughs> so no. 23, it's 33. He just, <laughs> Slash is still bugging out on how much younger you are right now. He can't process this right now. Yeah. Well, uh, miles wise, um, growing up in a band in Vegas, it's like we, you know, you were, I can't remember the album, but it was like 2006 or 7 ish, I think. Maybe second. It was uh, right before your Led Zeppelin thing. Okay, so it was probably Rise Day, Blackbird era. Blackbird, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so my band was like, we gotta, we gotta follow these guys. We gotta kind of be like that you know but then uh i was like that's cool but uh i remember finding out about your zeppelin audition and i was like okay i'll 
I'll play ball. Respect. I want to. I want to listen to these guys now. You know. By the way, just casually the, the dropping Zeppelin that. The Zeppelin audition actually had a lot to do with how Miles came up in my mind for the solo record because there's that name again. There's that guy, and he's jamming with Zeppelin. Okay, he must be good. I need to find somebody to sing this song, and I called him sight unseen. I just sent him the music. We only ever talked on the phone. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that before, and if you guys don't know that story, I mean, I'm not going to get into it again now. But yes, Miles was one of a few people that went in when there was an idea of Zeppelin continuing and uh, did you did you at least videotape it do you have video or audio do you have anything I, I have nothing so how do we even know it's true yeah Miles? right just that's, a good, that out there? that's a good point you know Slash bought into it that's why you're in the band like Jim, right? Jimmy Page confirmed it did you check yeah. with Jimmy yeah. <laughs> as far as the live shows are concerned Slash I know you're now in a position where you're juggling Guns N' Roses and this uh, you've carved out about a month it looks like to do this band What's the projection going forward, ver this versus guns, and how you're balancing yeah. it? Yeah, well, the COVID thing really shook shit up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, say the um, least. Because we, we had a pretty good sort of pattern of how this all worked, and that's all gone out the window. So we're, uh, we're releasing this record and touring at the same, about, at the same time and doing about, eight, uh, was it six or seven weeks, right? And so that's uh, February through March. I do guns, uh, does a summer tour in uh, Europe, and then there's uh, South America, and then uh, Australia, all makeup tours for 2020. So that pushes all our international stuff to the beginning of 2023. And then that's it, for, and he's got Alter Bridge to do it too, so. Yeah, Miles, for you now, you were originally juggling Alter Bridge and this. You're now, you've now done two solo records. Ides of March was a fantastic record last year. Yeah. Um, you're juggling three things now. You're going to be in the car a lot more, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> uh, what For you, I mean, how do you guys schedule this out? I mean, is it just the managers and agents talking and saying, yeah, there's windows here mm -hmm. and just fill in the gaps? Is, yeah. And how far out can you project it, especially now with COVID maybe disrupting things? It's uh, maybe even more challenging, I yeah. would think. Yeah, COVID, I agree with, with him. It's really kind of messed things up uh, because it was, it was, it was a, there was a real rhythm that we had going for years, but now it's it's a little more complicated. But yeah, um, things are planned out, provided the world doesn't change again, you know? And um, we'll just kind of see where the chips fall. Slash, I came to see you with guns in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium and uh, oh, yeah. saw the, the guy on the end there uh, proudly opening the show, waving the Golden Knights banner and all that with, with Wolfgang. Oh, yeah. But um, I got to tell you, when that... When I was hearing about all these tours going out and a tour at the size of a Guns N' Roses tour in a stadium with the size of the band, the crew, everything you have, I was like, there is no way they're going to get through this unscathed without some sort of COVID thing. And I know you guys weren't seeing people and there's the whole bubble and all that, but still a lot of bands did that and still had problems in lost shows. How the hell did Guns N' Roses at the level you tour with that amount of people get through that thing without losing a show? Um, I mean, I, a lot of it, I guess, has to be just plain luck. I mean, we, we really stuck to the regulations as far as keeping ourselves safe. And I have to give a lot of credit to the crew because they really adhered to those protocols. And so the entire entourage really stuck to the plan. And we made it through. We, it, I mean, we had uh, one issue with somebody who was a big part of the entourage, but he didn't travel with us. And so he had to quarantine. But, every, you know, we never had any other incidents. So. 
Frank, you had an issue, right? You guys lost a couple shows on there because, as the opening act, there was a problem with with your with you guys, yeah, right? It was a, a lighting guy. You know, you'd assume because people that are in the house up at the you know front of house, they would they're closer to the audience. But uh, he got it, and somehow we're all on the same bus, and nobody else got it. And uh, so we had to lie low for a couple shows, but then we rejoined and we're safe for the rest of it. Yeah, you know, and we were all very you know, like you said, following the protocols. But I don't know what happened. It's crazy. All right, let's get another question in here. Uh, we're going to go to Chris, and Chris is in Cypress, Texas. And Chris, as uh, we're waiting for Chris to come on the screen again, this is the new record, vinyl, CD, possibly cassette. We're trying to determine if that actually exists. No, it's not. There's, there's not a cassette. There's a cassette of a, a live. There's li a live EP that's on. But cassette. this isn't coming on cassette because no. some people are doing that. No, I know. We're going to do a little unboxing of this in a second we too. Did because do a, a blaster though. What's that? That's a, a little ghetto blaster. Oh, is that right? That plays cassettes. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. So this is. Um, our next person, this is Chris. Chris in Texas. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Chris. So my question... So you're uh, in a tent Eddie, out in the woods somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> I had changed my background earlier, and it didn't stick. But, oh, uh, man. For a minute there, I thought you were a Boy Scout. It says... That's what it says. It well, says, Scouts, be be prepared. Yes, I'm a Scout volunteer. So there you do go. a lot of Scouts, cool. nice. Scout Zoom meetings. So Very cool. Um, so with, with all the projects you guys are involved in, um, how do you manage to keep keep the material fresh and unique and to differentiate it from each other? Or is that just something that, that happens organically uh, and with the process, the process of, or with the creative process? That's a good question. Who's going to go question. first on that? Um, you go? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually easier than you'd think because uh, each project is, is different enough stylistically. So it's kind of like the template is already established and you you don't have to worry about like for for me, Alter Bridge is a very different animal than uh, Slash and the Conspirators. It's it, one is more blues based. One is uh, has more of a melodic hard rock, even metal at times. So yeah, and then with the solo realm, it's 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 all over the map. So that makes it very easy to kind of partition things. That's my answer. You know, I think about this, Miles. Answer. It was a great. You know, I I talked about when we started that slash was the first time we ever did this for the uh when we were doing it at the rainbow on the patio now that i think about it you and mark were the last time we ever did it on the patio because you with alter bridge played here in the, at the will turn and remember you guys did my show like the day yeah. before or after we went to the that patio. show Oh yeah, I saw you there. That's that was right. the last gig I went to. For most COVID people, started. and it was the last time we did this with a live audience. Right. So, so you guys, because I know your tour with Alter Bridge at that time was disrupted. The whole touring cycle for that record was disrupted because of COVID. So you guys were right in the teeth of it at the time that this happened, right? Correct. So yeah. the idea is to pick that up at some point, or you're going to come with something new. Yeah, we we basically, I mean, that kid, the the the, the uh, Walk the Sky tour. Just end ended not soon after that or soon after that. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're gonna have to start from square one with another record and and promote a new record and tour. So yeah. Right. All right. Let's talk to. Uh, oh, we're going to Canada. 
Uh oh! Look out! Fitz and Kearns, get ready! The, the, the Canadian, the faces of I'm Canadian. Give the answer up front, Alda Nova. <laughs> the answer is kick axe. You mean Coney Hatch? We're Come bringing on. in uh, next question. We're bringing in Shad in Manitoba, Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that near you guys? Because that's home, home province. <laughs> Slash is going. It's just fucking cold there. He's going. <laughs> where, where is uh, Where is Shad in Manitoba, Canada? Either of you Manitobans hey. down there? Or do we have Manitobans? Hey. I made it. Shad. How you doing, Fitzy? Wait, do you guys actually hey. know each other? Yeah. I know everybody in Canada. <laughs> Clearly. <so> does Todd. <laughs> Yeah. If you say, you know, Shad from Canada, I go, of course I know Shad <laughs> yeah, from Canada. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> there he is. Shad, go ahead. So this question has to do, and nice to see Eddie and everybody. Uh, this question has to do with the pandemic. What new and interesting perspectives did the pandemic offer when creating and writing this new album? And was there a personal pandemic creative effect? I know we've touched on some of this before, but perhaps there's some more insights. Oh, I can tell you right now, the new and creative thing that happened was Slash got to watch Kiss Meets the Phantom, <laughs> which he had well, never seen before. About five minutes of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead, guys. Reference, what rewind to the beginning if you don't know that reference, because we talked about that before. But Who's going to go first? New perspectives? I mean, we talk about it all the time. Miles and I, just walking back to our rooms, have a whole new appreciation i think that we all thought we were well i can't speak for everybody i always thought i was a pirate and like being on the road that's who i am and all this kind of stuff and then suddenly you're sort of stuck at home and you kind of realize hey this is this is good actually like i actually really like thankfully i like my wife she puts up with me and uh you know that kind of stuff and i i think that it really put a whole new perspective on and a new appreciation for being able to be with these guys with ed you know, being able to play in front of people, even doing Kimmel last night and having this tiny little audience for filming a thing. I just went, wow, this is quite nourishing in a moment that I haven't done this in, in a while to be able to do it with these guys. Because they very well could have been like, we can't do this anymore. The music industry is getting harder and harder all the time. So when COVID comes along and puts a complete kibosh on it, now I appreciate it all the more. Anybody else want to chime in? Well, I think um, technology challenged everybody in a good way. Is everyone had to address technology in your favor because Fitz has an OnlyFans now. That worked out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> think about being at home, and you had to sort of like we're doing Zoom right now, and Zoom before. COVID was yeah. a thing, but now it's really a thing. I never heard of it before COVID. Before COVID, I've never, I heard of FaceTime. I never heard of Zoom. Skype. I heard of Skype. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So having interviews being more common, not face-to-face, -face, has sort of upped the technology game. So I think all of us realized how important the internet in your house was, you know, and things like that, or just on the road. I mean, we were talking about it the other day, Miles, when we were doing interviews from hotels, which, you know, now you're doing it more and more. So just, I think, for technology and just the appreciation and of... how unforgivable bad Wi-Fi is. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's sort of been important to us. But yeah, the appreciation of getting together and making music, because it was, it was feeling like, oh, I guess we're going to be doing this not together over Skype and, and writing songs, which we clearly didn't do on this new record. Thankfully, we got together and do it. But, it, you know, it challenged everybody to think, well, maybe that's the new normal is not being together. So thankfully, we are able to do this today and, and be together. Yeah, I don't think I ever really did proper demos on Pro Tools before until this, was until kind this of the event first time. that yeah. happened. But uh, for me, it just it makes me doubly appreciate touring. You know, I can't wait to get out and play and to not be able to was really stifling, you know. Well, you're you're a guy. I mean, everybody talks about it. You're a guy. Just you just always want to work, man. You always want to get out there. And even when I, 
you know, I've heard, I had heard this record for a while and I've had four for a while. And I was texting you how much I liked it. And you're like, you said to me, you answer me back and you're like, I can't even listen to it anymore because it's taking too long to come out. Yeah, like, no, you're already on to well, the next thing. I knew that it wasn't coming out till February. So when we got done mastering it, I, I, I mean, you can't have a record that's not come out for 10 months in your fucking car. So <laughs> I just put it away and I didn't listen to it till around the time that I talked to you. And right before we started getting the set together for the tour, then I listened to it so I could listen to it fresh. And I didn't want to be analyzing it, especially because it's done live. Whatever there's there that you could have an issue with, you just nothing you can do about it unless you went back and re-recorded it or some shit like that. So anyway, um, yeah, so I just now started listening to it. Unfortunately, I still like it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's always the challenge. Like, I would imagine that's dangerous, too, because you guys, I'm sure, have all done that where you've made a demo or you've made a recording and Miles, you have a record that still never came out. Mm. You shelved the record completely, right? This is true, yeah. So that... <laughs> so oh, like, that's right, the one I played on. Yeah. You're on the record <laughs> yeah. he shelved? Yep. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he plays a solo on one of the tracks. So so I, my point is is that having all that that luxury of time before something comes out leads to the temptation of, is this good enough? Oh, yeah. Can I change it? Should it even come out at all? In the case of the the mystery record for Miles, it never came out at all. Mm -mm. You think you'll ever come around to hearing that and being like, "Yeah, that should come out." I don't know. You know I'm such a firm believer in in the shelf life of of something. And as an artist, you kind of you're you're in a mode, and then you move on, and you're excited about something else. So I'm always looking forward. In fact, I've, to be honest with you, I haven't listened to this record straight down. I don't. I don't. I just don't. I, once a record's done, I'm. Yeah, um, that's that's how it always is. Yeah. And I had the record for five minutes, and you're the first person that we publicly told I had to mix something, remix something. Is that right? <laughs> I had the record for five minutes, and I sent it back and said, "Fix this, please." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we've got to uh, we've got to go to. Well, we're going to go to another song, and then we'll come back. We still have time for more questions from the audience, more stuff to get into, and we're going to open up at some point. That vinyl, you guys can see it all for the first time as we, we take out all the, the, the stuff that's in there. There's some goodies in there. There's some variants, some different variants of, not of COVID, but of the, of the, of the record. <laughs> word, yeah, very Wrong word, any word. That's a heavy word. Well, man. exactly. But variants in the colors of the vinyl. We'll talk all about the packaging because, uh, you know, I love, I love music physically. I think that's super important. But you guys are going to do another song for us right now. And this is a track from Four called Call Off the Dogs. Give us a little backstory on this one, Slash. You want to tell us about the origins of this track? Well, the music was definitely born out of the frustration of lockdown. So it was definitely trying to get the let out and stress relief. And then when we all played it together, I think it was the same kind of thing for everybody. It was just that, like, first, first day of pre-production, kind of let's jam this and just, you know, get some, just jam. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. We'll be right back with more with Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the conspirators after this on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. 
Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to more with Slash and the guys right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I try to get a few more people in here that uh, we have time for on the Zoom to join us with questions for the guys. And we have one more performance before we wrap it up for this special. We're going to go to New York right now, uh, Long Island to be exact, and welcome in Brian. Hey, Brian, welcome. Questions actually for all you guys, but has the chemistry among the members of the band after the first album and tour help in bringing the next three albums along at a faster pace and more creative ideas? Yeah, I'd say that has a lot to do with it. All right, then. Just leave me hanging here. Uh, the answer is yes. All right, yeah. see ya. No, uh, I think considering, like he said, the formula of we, we go to soundcheck and you anticipate playing a couple songs that we're going to play in the set and then Slash is just playing something new and then we all just put something over it for the most part and then it's like that just sticks. Go to the next soundcheck the next day and now you just build on it and... That whole flow is just, it's easy, you know? I feel like that, like you said, it did speed up the process over the years. Consider it. Like, now, this newest album, I feel like, has definitely flown by, you know? I think we definitely established a sound by Apocalyptic. You know, I think that it's interesting from an objective point of view, as a, I can't be objective about SMKC, but listening to Miles in all these different configurations of Miles, when Miles sings in this band, he does something totally different than he does in Alter Bridge or anything else. And then when Miles and I sing together on a lot of the stuff, so a lot of the sounds with Slash's riffs, Miles' voice, the harmonies, and then the way we play together, that established that sound so that I think that that sort of like newlywed kind of period just sort of grew to the next four al- to the next three albums beyond that. But I think now it's, it's pretty comfortable. You know, a big part of the sound that you just touched on is, is the harmonies, which... Uh, it is. Thank, thank God you guys are a real live rock band with no nonsense and computers. That's what you think. Just and kidding. bullshit and tracks. You play rock the way it's supposed to be done. And that harmony that, that you've developed, that singing between Miles and, and Todd, that, that's fantastic. Did that come immediately, the meshing of your voices and working that stuff out? Or, or how did that, how's that evolved as we've gone? I was thinking about this because we've had to listen through to the music because as we were getting ready to do the new record, I was like listening to Apocalyptic. And that that is such a trip because that's literally 10 years ago now. So I think it was such new days. We went, remember we all went in and we did uh, three songs initially. And I think you and I were singing like, okay, well, let's say we sang some harmonies together and a kind of sort of thing. And I think eventually we just sort of like Miles's workload is such that, you know, in the later records, it would be sort of like he would sing his lead vocals and then he'd have 800 other things he had to do. I got to go on a Alter Bridge tour or something. So he would just be like, now you do all that stuff. And then I'd be stuck in a studio going, what? And then I would sing all the harmonies and we would kind of go from there. But 
it's sort of, you know, initially playing with the guys and having harmonies that existed on Guns N' Roses songs, Velvet Revolver songs, all the stuff that we were playing, I just sort of picked them up. And Miles and I, you know, I was always respectful of, I don't want to step on you here, what do I do? And it just became complimentary, you know, and, then, and we just sort of built from there. Yeah, one of the things when, when Todd, when we first met, I mean, he he fucking great bass player, right? But then he was sort of like the secret weapon vocally, because I had no idea that was coming. And then he started singing. I was like, Jesus Christ. But these guys start singing together, and it's become a unique sound unto itself, That you know, as far as the band is concerned. Yeah, well, it's a great thing to have, you know, that, you know, great voices like that. And, I mean, the interesting thing for you, Todd, you know, Slash saying you're a great bass player, but your thing is guitar as well, right? I mean... Well, I mean, I also play guitar. But then again, you know, Frank also plays drums. And, you know, it's like we all kind of play a bunch of different things. Frank plays plays piano. It's playing piano and keyboards, yeah. It's, um, you know, I think it's the ability... People always say, are you a bass player or a singer or a guitar player? Well, I'm kind of a musician, so I just love to play, so... Right, right. All right, let's welcome in Sherry, who is in Northport, Florida. Sherry is joining us next. What's that? (laughs) Is it a girl? Sherry? Breaking up this sausage party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sausage hang here. As soon as Sherry comes... Hey, Sherry. Hey. Hey, welcome. Hey, um, Hey. this is for all of you, including the whippersnapper at the end. Um, (laughs) I'm this many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for all of you, was recording the album live without redos liberating for you or more daunting as an artist? For me, it was totally liberating. It was was something that I've been wanting to do really my whole career, as crazy as that sounds, just to go in and do a record where you just play the song. And and that take is it. And I haven't done it before because uh, I would have to do it with headphones. And I hate headphones. It's so funny because now I use in-ears. But I hate the sound of headphones. So I would always go and redo my guitars later just so I could hear them through the monitors and get a real sound. So, But I always ask producers, like, why can't we just set up live in the room and just play like that? And that way I can get my real guitar sound through my ears the way that I hear them you know, when I'm playing a gig or whatever. So, no, we can't do that. Too much bleed, too much this, too much that. And I just, you know, so this was really fun and very liberating for me. You know, one of the things that's interesting about saying you haven't done that before is so many people talk about the fact that one of the things they love so much about Appetite is that it's so live feeling and sounding and well, raw. every record we've ever done, this band or Velvet Revolver or Guns N' Roses, um, uh, we've always played live in the studio as a band to put the take down and then go back and, and do the guitars afterwards. But to get that energy, that was always, you have to do that. You yeah. know? Uh, let's bring in Mike Cunningham. We don't have Mike's, where Mike is from. Mike from Parts Unknown is uh, going to be joining us on the Zoom screen here in a second. Hey, uh, silly question for Slash. In the 80s, both Top Hats and Gibsons were not popular. How does it feel to make them both iconic? <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I, 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 the, the Gibson thing, you know, all things considered, I'd never really thought about it, but people have said that when, when because I was playing a lot, uh, Les Paul during the whole Guns N' Roses heyday, that that brought the Les Paul back. So I, 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 that's a huge compliment. It's very humbling to hear that. As far as the top hack is concerned, I think still it's still not popular. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the very original top hat? The very very first one. Oh, it got stolen at the cat house. Oh, really? No, no. The actually the the 
Yeah, I got st- the first one I ever had got stolen at the cat house. I was drunk, passed out. I woke up and it was gone. Oh, no. oh wow. So so do you have a collection of them? Is there a bunch of them, or you lean on one? No, I mean I I've uh, I have two that I really wear. You know, I have a couple other ones that are just junk hats that just somehow have never gotten thrown out or whatever, and they just keep moving from place to place. And they're in the closet, so there's like three or four of those. So the, the top hat have its own like case and its own road I do have guide. a hat box for... Do you for, have a road ha- handler it's, for it's, the hat? No, no, just one hat box, <laughs> and I just put the hat in there. And I also put all my other shit in there, too. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> all right, let's get Jeff Thompson. Again, we don't have a city on Jeff, uh, but Jeff, join us and uh, tell us where you're from and fire away at your question for Slash Miles and the guys... Uh, as soon as we get you up here, we'll see. And we, again, we got one more performance coming up, which is actually going to be a, a performance of one of my favorite tracks by a long shot on this record, which I think is a song that you know, when you're hearing it now, you're like, yeah, it's, it's a cool song on the record. I personally think it could be a massive, and I hope it is, a massive hit single, and it deserves to be. But we'll find out down the line if I'm right or wrong a couple months from now. It hasn't been released as a single. So well, it will we'll be. See. Well, I've, I've talked to your people. It will yeah, we'll yeah. make sure that happens. But <laughs> <laughs> My people will talk to your people. We'll get you a hit, right, Slash. Right. No problem. <laughs> I, I, got, I got juice. Uh, no, Jeff. Do we have Jeff? Eddie, no Jeff. Anthony Lombardo. Wait, who's that? Oh, Anthony that's not Lombardo. Jeff. Well, we're going instead to Anthony, who's in Patchogue, New York, also Long Island. What's going on, Ant? What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. We got gotcha. you, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. So first of all, Call Off the Dogs is a great tune. I'm in the studio right now rehearsing with my band. I'm in a Black Crows tribute band. Cool. And we're rehearsing out here. And uh, Do you have a brother I that's in it say- with you that you fight with all the time or no? <laughs> He's very legit. Uh, they're actually, actually, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that, we can, that we can have. There's some truth to that. Anyway, so Call Off, Call Off the Dogs is a great old school Bare Bones, Hard Rock Tune. I want to thank you guys for doing this. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you feel is the state of Hard Rock right now? There's a lot of great bands out there. Obviously, you got Mammoth is out there. You got uh, Tyler Bryan in the Shakedown. You got Dirty Honey. There's some really great bands. So do you see the tide turning? I mean, I'm hoping that it's, it's going to make a good comeback, you know? It's definitely happening. And and uh, those are bands that are pretty high profile. But there there is a... Uh, a whole sort of undercurrent of young kids who are out there doing it that it's just like there's it's a really vibrant scene that's under the radar of bands that are doing it raw old school style and these are all kids you know people that are like 16 17 18 19 so there's a there's a big thing going on with that i'm i'm hip to it because i got kids and i know what's sort of happening sort of uh, not in the mainstream. So it, it seems like there's definitely the tides are going to turn. You know? I think you, if I'm not mistaken, you have a band going out with you or you had uh, who I recently had on my show made up of all girls under 21, a band called plush. Yeah. They're coming out with us. They're so they're coming out. They're one of the bands coming out with yeah. you. And yeah. that's an amazing story because they're all, uh, I've known Mariah for a, a little while, but they're all young, really young girls, and they bring it. They're they really rock, good. Yeah. That's they why really we rock. Them, yeah. They open for Mammoth a couple of dates, too. So you, you've had them out, too. I, I think, I mean, I've always been very optimistic. I think people talk about all this nonsense rock is dead. I mean, that's horseshit. Yeah, they've been talking about it's it horseshit. since the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> it's just horseshit. But I, I do think that uh, I feel super encouraged about where we're at with what's bubbling under having... Uh, Older bands like you guys uh, making great new music. 
I think there's a lot of bands even older than you. They're like the last Cheap Trick record was great. Yeah, I mean, really you yeah. got older bands that are still making great new music, and then you've got this groundswell of young bands. It's groundswell great. was the word I was searching for. That, That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> you, your kids were playing. One of your sons was playing, right? My my, my oldest son, London, has got a band uh, called Saint Electric, and they just played the whiskey the other day. But they're, they're they're one of those new young rock and roll bands. But he hips me to everything that's happening. Yeah, I would never know about listening to the radio or, you know, I mean, just listening to mainstream outlets. There's this whole sort of YouTube and SoundCloud sort of generation going on. It's like a whole culture. Do you think it's easier or harder now for bands to get traction and breakthrough than when you started? Well, the, the biggest thing is is the industry itself sucks. So the, out, the, the, the opportunity for new music, even, even, uh, even if it's not rock and roll, even if it's you know, pop music or whatever, because you have to get through this barrier that the record companies have all put up to be commercially successful, which means there's got to be something to it that's going to guarantee that they're going to be able to sell a trillion records. And it's very limiting. There's no A&R. There's no development. There's no any of the stuff that used to be around in the 80s and going backwards, where you really could find a talent and nurture it, develop it, and make some fantastic records with somebody that you might not have even known was capable after they've been around for a couple of years. So all that's like gone. So you can have, you know, obviously there's just as much talent out there now as there was then, but the accessibility has changed. And you, you might be able to go out there and sell some records amongst your friends, but the record companies aren't going to recognize it as being something that's viable. And that's what makes this business so fucked. You know, I think the biggest thing from where I see, and you guys can chime in on this as well, because you've all been in different bands and you're all, everybody does different stuff here. But the biggest thing I see is the oversaturation in that the gates are down. The, the labels used to be a gatekeeper. It used to be if somebody handed you a CD, you knew that you reached a certain point to even be able to produce this. Right, right. Now anyone can literally make music. Anyone can do anything. And as a result, a lot there's a lot of good stuff, but let's be honest, there's a lot of awful stuff. And the pipeline, at least from where I sit talking to fans, the pipeline is so oversaturated. They have so much stuff coming at them. Click on YouTube, here, 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 that it's kind of hard to decipher what's worth your time or not because literally anybody can put out music now. Uh, you you know, back in the day, you'd have to go spend a ton of money going to a big studio. Now people make records in their bedrooms. It's yeah, just true. way that's easier. True. So it's it's a whole different world. But uh, yeah, I see that it's as like an the obstacle. Wild West. It is. It <laughs> totally is. I think Slash just said it the best though, and more succinctly. Yeah, the industry sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, all right, let's open this thing. Let's show everybody. Uh, this new record. Who, who, Miles? Why don't you do the unboxing? Why don't you, you know, somebody? Yeah, I got to hold the mic. Require some kind of a knife. Or yeah, something no. Oh, look at this. Do you like the uh, double platinum nod? Yes. Uh, the, the there you go. You should have embossed pictures of all of you on the back. <laughs> there you go. Put. I figured you might appreciate. That. Yeah, for sure. Right. Double platinum influence. Does someone want to do the CD as well, so we can show two configurations? Okay. All right. All right. So what do we got, Miles? Is that gatefold oh, or no? I got the golden ticket. No. Yeah. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Got a golden ticket. Jeez. It's not gatefold? It looks no, like a gatefold. No, it's an O card. Oh, okay. An O card. Do you know what an O card no, is? No, the sleeve. It's a, it's the sleeve around the sleeve. Right. I didn't know what that was. That's like the obby in the Japanese thing. It's the band around it, right? The band. So. 
Okay. Is this so the first time you're seeing this, by the way? Because a lot of times artists yeah. are like, I've never seen yeah, it I've before. Seen it. Oh, Miles is seeing his record for the first time. Yeah. And here's the. Uh... Todd, work the mic on him a little bit, please. Uh, so that's the actual album cover. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the outside, and then this is the actual album cover. Oh, well, look at this. Whoa. Oh, you oh, you've got a guitar pick. pick. What? I get it. That's for Oh, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Miles is going to eBay right now. Yeah, it's on eBay tomorrow. I was at the factory. I must have dropped it in there. Yeah, exactly. And you have this. You have this fine. Now, wait. Is that is that an order form for merch, a la Kiss? That was lyrics. Good, right? and oh, the lyrics. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lyrics and, and, and then the liner notes. Inset sleeve. Beautiful. And, and then the, there's the vinyl. This is the black vinyl. There's yeah. multiple colors. Yeah. You, there's a, a red version of this you, you, and a blue version and a purple version of the actual album cover inside the silver O-card. Full Vanna White. And I the, love it. The, <laughs> album, the actual album matches the color of the album cover. All right. That's awesome. Looks great. And there's a box set for the vinyl that you get a, an actual Les Paul with. For real? Yeah. An so actual full-on guitar? Yeah, you get the guitar. It's just a, a really nice Les Paul standard. It's one of your custom jobs? Yeah, or? red one. You're like the global ambassador of Gibson That's what or they something, call right? It, yeah. <laughs> what do those duties entail, Slash? Um, I'm just, got a shine you know, it's, it's, car? It's, it's actually, <laughs> you know, I've been pretty involved, hands-on with Gibson for, especially since Cesar has come and take it over. He's really awesome. sort of opened yeah. up the floor for me. Um, so, but the global ambassador thing came even before Cesar came into it, and it was just a label since I am involved to sort of give me some sort of a, an official title so that when I show up for things, it's just, just some guitar player showing up. They actually say, oh, he's actually something. <laughs> because I'm sure everybody, when you walk in, is like, oh, that's just some guitar player well, showing you know, up. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's that, and then the, I'm not sure which color this one is. So there's color CDs as well? See, that's the purple one. Oh, the sleeve. Okay. Yeah, so the sleeves come in different colors, but the vinyl comes in all different colors. So this is, so this is my preferred format, as my listeners know. This is awesome. Well, I do both, you know, but I'm still a CD guy because that's what I play in my car. Although I bought a, a truck recently and it didn't have a CD oh, player in it. I, I, I hear they're removing them. They said we don't make yeah. them. <laughs> that's a thing. Sacrilege. That's so sad to hear. So where's the single loader? Luckily, know? in my Hyundai Pony, they still have a cassette deck, <laughs> so that worked out well. So this is uh, this is the CD. Yeah, and there's a box a box set for that, that for as well, yeah, which yeah, is really that. cool. <laughs> it's got like a poster in it and other assorted goodies. Oh, and there's a there's a uh, a cassette of uh, us playing some songs live. You lost another guitar pick. Yeah, I know. I dropped pick. a whole bag of them at the thing. <laughs> so this is awesome. Like, so you guys can see, no matter if you prefer the vinyl or the CD, you've got a great. Pa I mean, I'd say or cassette. And there's a cassette that comes in a cassette, and if I remember correctly, that's what comes with the boombox. It comes with the boombox. I think it's a it's a package. All right, so you got a lot of different. You need something to play it on, right? That's true. You got a lot of different ways to get the record. I'm holding out for the eight track, mini disc, something like that. Uh, you know what? Open I was reel. never a fan of the eight track, even when it was current. Remember when they would dip down in the middle of the song oh, and man, click and go up? Oh man, they were such a pain in the ass. Those things. Oh man. Sometimes Great. you remember songs with the dip to the next track. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. The yeah. Click and then go yeah. over again. Yeah. All right, so. Let's get to the last song, and this song, before I, I let, it, let you guys go and play it and we wrap up, uh, the minute I heard the song, it was one of my instant favorites on the record. It's called Fill My World, and I got to tell you, to me, this song was almost screamed like Sweet Child of Mine Part 2 in its 
that guitar melody part that cyclical such riff kind of yes thing. yes which i didn't even think of until people started telling me that and i was like i guess it's just because there's a certain amount of rotation is notes or something that it makes it but sweet child so you've different. said you've said famously over the years sweet child was actually a guitar exercise it, it wasn't an exercise but it was a riff that i made up that i was like oh this is interesting <laughs> you know and so it was kind of like but it's just me playing yeah right it wasn't yeah. intended as a song it no was just not, you doing not initially, a thing. right so what about this riff for for this oh was World? actually something that came up during the pandemic which was sort of an answer to the frustration of all the I don't know. I think it was to offset the mood of all the misery that was happening at the time because I had so many friends and co you know colleagues who were suffering from not being able to work and they were losing family members and there was all that. So it was almost like a very personal piece of music that I just wrote sitting around and I recorded it. And I didn't intend to send it to these guys, but the riff stuck in my head. So like three days later, I sent it to Miles because he has a way of finding something that I'll do that I don't necessarily think that much of and to make a huge melody out of it, and which is exactly what he did. So then that's what turned it into a real song. And Miles, lyrically, there's a story to this as well, right? Tell us about it. Yeah, it was inspired by my dog, Mozart. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of written from his perspective. Of uh, Long story short, he was, he was at home, and a storm came. We couldn't get home, and we were watching him on the the little video cameras, and he, he's terrified of storms, and uh, he was just freaking out, and it was heartbreaking. So, yeah, the song is really kind of the narrative that I imagine might be going through his head as this was all happening. Yeah, yeah it's an and the vocal on it is just, needless to say, amazing. All the sing, the playing, it's just killer. And I, I firmly believe, like the minute I heard this song, I, you know, I reached out to your people. I was like, that's the that song that could cross over, that could be huge. But but if you think about it, like throughout your career, slash going back to Sweet Child of Mine, through there's always been almost on every record that song that's built on a on a like a, like I think of Anastasia. Anastasia is a song that's actually become a really big song. I think for you guys from this band, mm -hmm. which is also built around a similar <laughs> sort of guitar deal, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so, um, I mean, I guess there is a a style there that that I hadn't actually stopped to recognize. But because I was, we were playing another song that was on the uh, Apocalyptic Love record, and it's in the set now, and it also has this sort of kind of single note mel melodic thing. And I guess, yeah, I guess that's just something that's innately interesting to me, you know. And it might come back to our mutual love of UFO because Michael Shanker did that a lot too. Yeah, when I think about it. Yeah, so there's that sort of melody. I, I never picked up on that. Until you tried to steal my strangers in the night one time a long time ago, <laughs> I Still never. Talking about that. Oh yeah, I never. But I never picked up on the Shanker vibe of the melodies in your playing until yeah. then. I mean, you know, all things considered, I really there was a period there where I was really into to Michael, um, and I think it was like like before Guns started, it was like probably eighty three or eighty four or something like that. So I'm sure that had some influence. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, check out the record. Uh, again, it's phenomenal, phenomenal album. See the guys on tour. Check your local listing. See if there's a date coming to you. Hopefully you'll be able to do maybe another run of touring for this record, you think, at some point? Well, next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Okay. So you'd, everybody would do guns. I guess, Miles, you'll go back, do some 
Alter Bridge stuff coming up. I have a solo tour in Europe in, in June, too. So all right. That's all. And We're going to be busy. And Todd and Brent will continue to wave the Canadian flag with Tuke and <laughs> play obscure 80s Kiss songs and all the other good stuff that they do. And Frank, you're going to be multitasking with uh, you know both bands going back and forth and doing your thing, right? Yeah. Summertime. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, it's great to see you. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thanks, it. Congrats yeah, on the record. Thanks, it's absolutely awesome. Well, that was so much fun, and I can't wait to do it again in our studios in L.A. for the next Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion. Not sure when that'll be, but I'll certainly let you know. Be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk for info and updates. And again, a reminder, be sure to listen to that complete interview if you have SiriusXM on the app or watch the entire thing. Pro Shot came out great. Be sure to check it out. The video portion also on the app for you to enjoy whenever you want. Thanks to the guys for doing that. Uh, much appreciated. I will see you guys on the radio, hopefully Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Volume Sirius XM Channel 106 for Trunk Nation. Don't forget a sixth show as well on Mondays, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 39 Hair Nation. Have a great week. Hope to catch you on the radio. Otherwise, back next Thursday for another all-new Eddie Trunk podcast. Thanks for listening. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.